Good morning, faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast, the one place where you can get a daily explanatory Bible reading to start your day strong. This is your host, Jen, bringing you a brand new episode out of Matthew. Happy Thursday, faithful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast this morning. And as always, I am your host, Jen. But before we begin, I wanted to talk to you about my coloring books that I just finished with. They are finally up. Oh my goodness, thank God. They are finally up on Amazon for purchase. I was struggling so hard to get these books out to you guys before Lent. (laughs) And as you know, Lent is quite... uh, halfway through now. So I did not get them up in time, but I think hopefully they are a really good quality product. And I really did my best to bring you guys something really, really excellent so that um, you can really enjoy your time as you are doing these coloring books. Now, what these books are, and I won't, I won't uh, make my spiel for too long here, but these books are basically a discipleship experience that both parents and children can do. Now, of course, adults have their adult version of the book and children have their version of the book. And the two books are basically the exact same book, except the verbiage is a little different for the children's edition and also the coloring pictures are a little bit easier for the children's edition. Now, that being said, adults can do the adult version of the coloring book and they don't need a child with them and vice versa. The children can do them on their own. But once you bring the two books together, it makes for a very interesting experience for a parent and child to do together, to relax together, to learn about Jesus and his um, journey to the cross during Holy Week together and also to bond together and maybe do some coloring pictures and just enjoy the time together. And also there's um, in the children's edition, there's different parents parent and child activities that you can do together. So honestly, they're a really good resource to have if you have young children in your household because it really opens up a good door for discussing Christian topics with your children. But with that being said, I'm not going to promote the books too much on the podcast, mainly because we are here to read the Bible, not to listen about uh, some books that I just published. So let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 18 and read verses 1 through 14 today. This is kind of funny. We're actually going to be talking about children today in Matthew chapter 18. And it was kind of hilarious how God worked that out for me because the books published yesterday. And then I'm reading Matthew chapter 18. And I'm seeing all this stuff about children in Matthew chapter 18. And that was what the books that I had just published was really gearing towards. But let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 18. As always, I will be reading out the W.E.B. version of the Bible this morning. In that hour, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to himself, and he set him in the middle of them, and said, Most certainly I tell you, unless you turn and become as little children, you will in no way enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whoever therefore humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such little child in my name receives me, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a huge millstone were hung around his neck and that he were sunk in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the occasion of stumbling, for it must be that the occasions come, but woe to that person through whom the occasion comes. 
If your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life maimed or crippled rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast in the Gehenna of fire. See that you don't despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of the Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, doesn't he leave the ninety-nine, go to the mountains, and seek that which has gone astray? If he finds it, most certainly I tell you. He rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine which have not gone astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. In verse 1 of Matthew chapter 18, we see that the disciples are kind of arguing a little bit again about who they believe is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven among them. Now, they were probably arguing about this because they still didn't quite understand who Jesus was as the Messiah. They did understand at this point that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, but they didn't quite understand why he had come to earth and what his purpose was. So the disciples were probably believing that Jesus was going to be some sort of earthly ruler who would maybe get rid of the Romans for them and give them peace and luxury and uh, everything else that Isaiah prophesies will happen in the end times. And this is probably what Jesus' disciples believed. So we see that they are constantly arguing about who is the greatest among them. So they're asking also then, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven among us? So it's not even just earthly stuff that they are wishing for, though they do talk about that as well in, in different portions. They're always talking about who's the greatest, who's the greatest. But now at this point, they're saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven among us? So they ask Jesus, so who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And one thing I find really interesting is that Jesus doesn't point to himself. (laughs) He had every right to literally say to his disciples, "Uh, me, (laughs) my father, what are you guys talking about? He had every single right to do that, but he doesn't point to himself. Instead, he calls over a little child to him. This says something about Jesus's uh, character as well. He was the kind of person that children enjoyed, children wanted to go to. And one thing I did enjoy about the Chosen series, if you've ever seen it, the Chosen series did a really great job in one of the episodes showing how much Jesus loves little children. And it was just such a sweet episode. I really, really enjoyed that one. And he always had like children around him in that episode and they loved him. And it was just a really cute episode. And they did a good job showing Jesus's personality with children. Jesus was the type of man who children would want to come to. So he calls over this little child and the little child comes over to him and he says to his disciples, you have to be like this little child if you are going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says, whoever becomes like this little child, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And that's verses three through four, where Jesus says that. So when we think about children, what typically do we think of? You know, children are not very scary. 
You know, I would not be scared to encounter a child late at night. I'd be terrified to encounter a grown man late at night by myself. But a child, I'd be like, "Uh oh, I need to help this little kid. But children are not intimidating. They're not scary. They are children. You know, they are sweet. We think of children as typically sweet little kids. They are super duper truthful. (laughs) I actually have a funny story about my niece speaking of truthful children and she doesn't quite understand the concept of age yet so she doesn't know how old everybody is but we were kind of teasing my niece last time she was uh in the in town and we were like Evelyn who do you think is the oldest person here she runs over to my mom who is her grandma and she's just like grandma's the oldest Which was not true because because actually my dad was the oldest person in the room, but she didn't think my dad was super old and she didn't think her own mom and dad were super old or me and my husband, but she really thought grandma was super old. And then it was really funny because we're just like, so Evelyn, how old do you think your dad is? She ran over to her dad and she's like, I don't know. Are you old? So kids are super truthful. My niece had absolutely no problem offending my mother, saying that my mother was super old. (laughs) And of course, my mom wasn't actually offended or anything, but it was just a funny story. And Jesus tells us to make ourselves like little children. You know, little children are sweet. They're bad at deceiving other people. They're bad at lying. They speak the truth. They are pure. They're innocent. We think of children as pure, innocent little kids. And on top of that, they are not above the adult. They are humbled because of that. And so when we make ourselves like little children, we are making ourselves pure and innocent, able to speak the truth. And we're humbling ourselves, which is what God appreciates. God appreciates a humble heart, you know, because children are not the rulers of society, especially in this day and age where Jesus was talking about, you know, children had no status whatsoever. They were under their parents. They had no status. When we humble ourselves, we are saying God is our father. You know, God is the one that we should trust. We need to be under his rules for us. And so that is what Jesus is saying when we need to become like a little child, if that makes sense. After this, Jesus talks about how we should not be teaching little children to sin. And it's not just little children. He says in verse five, little ones who believe in me. So it's not just children at this point, though it could be children in like a physical sense. But this is also the people who are making themselves out to be like children who are innocent. Jesus actually says that it's better for somebody as horrific as this sounds, because this is horrific for me. It is better for a person to have a huge millstone hung around their neck and to sink into the depths of the sea than to cause a little one to fall into sin. And that's a horrific picture for me because I almost drowned once. And that was awful. It was the worst feeling I think I ever had when Jesus says that it is better for somebody to drown in the depths of the ocean than to cause a little one to stumble into sin. You have to believe that. You know, Jesus doesn't lie. He says the truth. Thinking about that, if we cause somebody who's innocent to stumble into sin, that's horrible because that person who never knew sin before, 
who were innocent. You know, they didn't have that particular sin. They are being led astray and they are learning sin for the first time. So Jesus says it would be better for a person to die in the depths of the ocean than to cause somebody to make a little one who is innocent sin in that way. Basically, the punishment for somebody doing that to a little child or a little one is going to be horrible. So we need to be careful about that, not leading people into sin or leading people astray, because that is a very, very serious sin in the eyes of Jesus. After this, Jesus says, Woe to the world for the occasion of sinning. And we know what woe means. Woe means like it's like a cry of pity to the world. Pity to the world because of sin and how sin has come into the world. And then he says, woe to the person who has fallen into sin. So he's he's going further with what he was just saying about causing people to stumble into sin. It's just so bad for that person because it, sin causes people to be spiritually dead, which is why Jesus had to come to earth to begin with. He had to save people from their spiritual death because spiritual death leads to separation from God forever. And that is the worst punishment somebody could suffer. Because God is the definition of life. So when we're separated from God, we are separated from life. So when Jesus says, woe to the person who is sinning, he is saying how sorrowful it is because of that person sinning. And that is why Jesus came to earth to, to forgive us and save us from that. And so after this, we heard this once before, Jesus talking about uh, cutting off the hands and the feet and, and the eyeballs and all sorts of stuff in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. But he says it would be better for a person to cut off their hand if their hand is causing them to sin and to enter into the kingdom with only one hand than it would be for their entire body to go to hell. So this is how serious sin is. This entire thing we just read, verses 1 through 14, is talking all about sin. If Jesus is so concerned about sin, that it would be better for somebody to cut off their own hands or pluck out their own eyeballs or cut off their own feet or fall into the depths of the ocean rather than cause somebody to sin or sin themselves, then there is something serious with sin. And I find it very sad that preachers don't often talk much about sin anymore in the churches. A lot of times churches have this whole feel good thing about making sure that people feel good when they leave the sermon rather than making people understand how serious their sin really is to Jesus. If sin was not a serious thing, Jesus never would have come down to earth. Why would he wouldn't have had to? Sin is a very serious thing and it caused the death of Jesus. Our sin caused the death of Jesus. But in Jesus's mercy, he came down to earth anyway and saved us from ourselves, saved us from that sin nature, saved us from that spiritual death that was causing that separation from life, that separation from God himself. So sin is very, very serious, and we need to take it very, very seriously. But even though we sin, we are saved through Jesus's blood, as long as we accept that. Because Jesus says in verse 11, For the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. He's talking about himself there. 
He came to save the people who were lost. And even further, he goes on to say, If a man had a hundred sheep and one goes missing, so one strays, one goes off the path of life and goes into that sin nature, one strays, would he not go into the mountains, would this man not go into the mountains and seek everywhere for this one lost sheep? If a man cared about his flock, of course he would do that. He would leave the 99 sheep behind and go find the one that was lost. And that is what Jesus did. He came to earth for all of us, for the ones who went astray. He says here, when he finds the sheep, he rejoices over it more than the 99 which didn't go astray. Yes, that man is still thankful for his other 99 sheep, but he is just so happy to have found the one that he loves, the sheep that came back to him. And to conclude, Jesus says one of the most beautiful verses. He says, Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. God the Father did not want anybody to perish or to die in their sins. He loved humanity too much for that. He sent Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice and Jesus willingly came to be that sacrifice for us so that we can always live in the presence of God in comfort forever. So faithful listeners, this was Matthew chapter 18 today, verses 1 through 14. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. And if you did, make sure to rate it five stars from whatever platform you're listening on. If you are on Apple Podcasts or the Podcasts app on Apple products, you can definitely rate the podcast and leave a little comment on it as well. And uh, let me know how you guys are enjoying it. That would be a great help to P40 Ministries to help spread the gospel a little bit more because the more ratings P40 Ministries gets, the more it gets found. So that would be a huge, huge help for me. And I will drop a link to those coloring books that you can purchase on Amazon, if you so choose, in the bio of this podcast episode. And you can click on that and it will take you right to the Alive Coloring Devotionals. If you want to support P40 Ministries, that's an excellent way to do so because uh, that helps me continue on with everything that I'm doing here on the podcast and with the website and the books and the devotionals and everything else that I'm trying to accomplish at P40 Ministries. So get yourself something nice and get your family something nice and purchase those books on Amazon Prime. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate every single one of you. Happy listening and God bless.